All right, gearheads, welcome to your Speed City post-qualifying show. This is John Massengale. I'm in Austin, Texas, and I am joined by my friends Jonathan Green and Bob Varsha. Mr. Green, how are you, buddy? Welcome back. But thank you very much. I've been on the road, but watching motor racing, that's all I do. I'm like a Labrador just chasing cars. <laughs> hey, Bob Varsha, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm great. I'm so happy we've got this inaugural post-qualifying show, hopefully to continue well into the future. So this is exciting. Now we can add so much to the information for viewers out there and listeners uh, with regard to enjoying the Grand Prix on Sunday. And, and it was how, a terrific qualifying, yeah, I might add. So I was about to say, and how about that qualifying to get things started? Man, that was exciting, and we have lots to talk about. Because I tell you what, I can't even start with all the different surprises, but... I'll go on uh, for you. It's yes. great to have three old men talking about one old man doing very, very quick. <laughs> yeah, Alonzo, man, that's that's been the story since the entire season, hasn't it? Well, oh, fantastic. <laughs> such as it was, yeah. 41 years old, soon to be 42, topping Friday's second practice, second in Friday's first practice, and... Uh, here he is. Um, actually, a little bit disappointing. He only got to fifth, and I suspect a lot of that has to do with the fact that Red Bull and Ferrari finally, you know, owned up, tossed the sandbags to one side, went out there and showed their true speed. Yeah. But also, hats off to Stroll. Uh, definitely suffering on Friday. Whatever he's been doing to help his wrists has helped. Mm -hmm. And to say he squeaked through qualifying, I mean, that was a really good qualifying session because he, he pulled out the best right at the last there to be up there with, with, with uh, Alonso. So Aston Martin, hats, hats off to him. Yeah, and that's the key thing to take away from that is because Alonso and Stroll were both good. And Stroll hadn't driven a lap in the car before this weekend because of various injuries. I mean, that Aston Martin is a piece of work. You'll recall that they took the number two guy from Red Bull's aero department uh, right. Number two to Adrian Newey, and look at the impact on the Aston Martin. Suddenly, I mean, they are fast and uh, a new challenge to the big three. All right, I want to let everybody know that we've got uh, Chris Medlin going to join us here shortly, too, from Bahrain. So we're going to get Chris, and hopefully he'll be walking around with that mic and getting some interviews for us. Speaking of mics, Jonathan, your mic was really hot, so the producer says to turn your mic down. And uh, still working out the kinks of our new qualifying show. But, but hey, let me run down the order today because it was Verstappen and Perez, Red Bull, Red Bull at the top of qualifying. And then Leclerc and Sainz, two Ferrari cars right behind them. And then Mr. Alonso, as we discussed, then George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, Lance Stroll, Esteban Ocon, and the Hulk, the Haas car, into Q3. That was exciting to see. And another good story about Americans is a Logan Sargent. He barely missed Q2. He actually had the exact same time as Lando Norris, Bob. That uh, we, we, He missed out by nothing, right? <laughs> right. Exact same time to the thousandth of a second. But because Lando Norris in the McLaren did it first, he gets the position, which meant, and, and this is a heartbreak for Logan Sargent, Norris advanced 15th out of Q1 while Sargent was 16th and done for the day. That's really unfortunate. Logan did a great job. 
Yeah, I was about to say, the one thing that uh, I took solace from was that he can go to bed tonight because, let's face it, you know, it's one thing to do a one-off and it's one thing to chase the, the, the super license points like he did last year. But now this is the real deal. He's up against Albon. It's the real thing. He's come, you know, he's, he's in Formula One now. And I think he can go to bed tonight going, hey, um, this is one of the closest qualifying sessions ever. And also, I was, I was, I should be in Q3, so he he can sleep well tonight. No question about it. His teammate, where did uh, Alex Albon go? Fifteenth for further Albon. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the final result, so you know, as you say, a good day and a good point too, Jonathan, is that this was really close, which is a great sign for the season ahead. This is going to be a a battle, not only among the big teams up front, but also. Uh, the teams like uh, Haas and AlphaTauri and so on. I mean, look you at know, Haas. What is what is Kevin Magnussen thinking right now? I know. Hasn't driven a season since 2019, gets in the car and goes to Q3. Yeah, that's pure motivation. No question about it. I'll give you some stats here because I wrote them down. In the Q2 uh, session, the whole grid was split by 1.128 of a second. And I mean, I, I do a lot of junior racing uh, single seaters uh, and, and I've never seen a grid that close, not in Formula One. We, we talk about the 107% rule uh, because it sort of, it stops anybody from, from not being worthy as it were uh, of taking part in the race. It doesn't often come into effect, but I don't think we're gonna need it at all this year. <laughs> Yeah, it's great to see. Not that, as you say, that they would enforce it being 107% of the pole sitter's time in order to be allowed to race unless the stewards say, ah, go ahead. We want more cars yeah. on track. But I was looking at our friend Sean Kelly's stat profile for Formula for this race and Hulkenberg coming into a team. Hulkenberg has the longest career in Formula One without a podium finish. Racing for a team that has had the most experience in Formula One without a podium finish. Both he and his teammate have one pole apiece. Both won that pole at the same racetrack, that being Interlagos in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and both have one fast lap, both of which came in Singapore. So I don't think you could match Nico uh, Hulkenberg and uh, Kevin Magnussen any closer than what they've already done in their careers. Amazing. Yeah, and Jonathan, you talked about that 1.1 seconds across all the cars. 0.6 covered the top four cars. So, uh, you know, this is this is going to be so exciting. And you I know, mean, what do you I will say? Think? I will say this: they, uh, if you watched ESPN, you'll have heard Zach Brown talking about the McLaren. Obviously, not a great day for them. Um, but uh, I think we've also got to, you know, uh, taper our enthusiasm um, because I, I think with three days testing and very little time on the board, uh, even even Zach Brown said, "Yeah, we're going to have some new parts in about two or three races. We're struggling with rear end traction." And I think that, you know, there's going to be quite a few changes before we hit hit the ground running in in, in what I would call normal mode of, of a European race. Yeah, yeah I'd with agree that. with that. And it tells you something about the, the, you know, the red hot crucible of Formula One that several teams, I think uh, Alpine foremost among them, have brought updates to this race, even though they tested with a slightly different car just a week ago. And that takes some doing if you're molding carbon fiber parts and wings and so forth. Uh, so, as I say, this is going to be a really competitive season. Hey, so what do you guys think about Lance Stroll? You know, I find myself really rooting for Lance. You know, I, there, there's always the in the back of my head that he's, you know, the team owner's son. But 
I got to give the guy some credit. He, he was struggling with this injury, and uh, and I think he did a, a, a great job this weekend so far. Yeah, no he question. changed my mind. Yeah, he changed my mind after yeah. the, the. I remember that race in Japan uh, last year in the wet, and his start from about fifteenth was just mega. And from there on in, I tell you what, who I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be reserve driver for Aston Martin, knowing that Alonso is going to go on until he's in his sixties, and the <laughs> right. other guy is is the is the boss's son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a picture during practice of um, Felipe Drugovic, the Brazilian who's yeah. the reigning. Formula Two champion standing next to Stoffel Van Dorn, who is a Mercedes driver. Yep. And since Aston Martin uses Mercedes engines, they loaned Stoffel, who is the uh, uh, a Formula E world champion. Uh, so you had these two immaculately prepared and capable young drivers watching the aforementioned Fernando Alonso and the boss's son. Lance Stroll flying around in these cars that have just got to wet a racing driver's appetite. You know, this yeah. is a great car. When do I get my chance to drive? Well, room. I, the, what I'd read in the papers is that Alonso brought on both uh, or asked for Van Dorn. Um, Drogovic was already the reserve driver, if you like, uh, on the on the books. But he asked for Van Dorn because he's worked with him at McLaren and he's worked with him um, somewhere else. I can't remember. And the other is Pedro de la Rosa. Pedro de la Rosa has now been taken on yeah. as a brand manager for Aston Martin. But that was his big mate, um, fellow Spaniard and fellow Formula One guy. And, and so, you know, typical Fernando, he's building his own team within the team. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he worked with De La Rosa at McLaren, I think yeah. was correct in saying, back in 2007. And right. as you say, a fellow Spaniard, so a kindred soul. And uh, it's like a, oh, I don't know, I don't, I'm not demeaning anybody, but it's like a thoroughbred racing champion who has, you know, the goat or the dog or the, you know, some yeah. other kind of animal <laughs> to keep him company in the stable and keep him calm and ready to go. Well, but, you know, he's such a political animal, having guys like that in his corner that can kind of listen to the conversations and see where the political nous is going. Um, it's a smart move, but that's it's been his downfall and his uh, Machiavellian style, uh, Alonso, to, to, to do to do that sort of thing. It's helped him yeah. at times and it's also bit him in the butt. Yeah, well, it's certainly we'll see, uh, looking, looking like the right move now. First time things go off the rails, we'll see how Alonzo responds. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, guys, let's go ahead and get a squeeze in our break that we need to get done. And when we come back, we'll continue to break down the Bahrain qualifying. First one of the season for 2023. It's awesome. You listen to Speed City back after these messages. I'll ask the uh, YouTube guys, how's Jonathan's mic now? Is it better? Because it was right. really hot at the beginning. We got the usual suspects on YouTube here. We got... TNW in Thailand. We got Mike Bowles. We got uh, Kevin Kelly, of course. Joe and Oster Bay. Tell, tell the Thailand guy to, to 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 have a watch party, and then we'll get we'll get we'll get a, a Thai watch party going. I think yeah. he's got. We'll order we'll order some green curry for them and some tiger beer. And we'll have them <laughs> get around. Tell everybody he... to get a watch party going. We'll give a shout out to yeah. who you are, where you are, the establishment you're meeting at. If you can gather one, more than four in your in our name. Yep. Uh, we'll, and send us a photo of it. We will give you a shout out. You betcha. Uh, somebody said, who's the guy well, at the bottom of the screen? Maybe prop your computer up on the bar. What's that? I said, somebody said, who's the guy at the bottom of the screen? That's Jonathan Green. He's been in That's Zealand Jonathan, without yeah. the internet. Yeah. <laughs> no see. That's right. Gone but not forgotten. Well, maybe forgotten. <laughs> 
Hey, hey, Bob, uh, get some more of those. Uh, get get on that. What a great... Hi, this I, is Karun I mean... Chandok, and you're listening to Speed we go, City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks to everybody tuning in on the ESPN Extra channel on Sirius XM. We are doing our broadcast from Austin, Texas. Jonathan Green and myself, John Massengale, and we got Bob Varsha from Atlanta joining us over Zoom. And really excited to see this qualifying. Lots of interesting things happening. Probably the biggest thing, of course, being the Aston Martin team looking really fast and impressive. Uh, of course, Red Bull looking incredibly strong. But guys, we haven't talked about this. What happened with the Claire there? He jumped out of the car and kind of burst to the back of the the uh, the the pit garage there, bumping into people. What was going on there? That's a great question. Uh, John, and, and I'm not sure the announcers all seem to be surprised by it as well. We didn't hear a pit reporter asking the question, but I mean, perhaps Ferrari is just going to try to save a set of tires and they thought that's good enough for Leclerc. We'll start from there. I don't know. Hey, it looks Le- like Le- Le- Leclerc in his interview said that uh, he will have a, a, a set of new tires, but it was weird go. because the team <laughs> were doing the tire warmers getting ready for him to go out when he when he hopped out. All right, well, we got Chris Medlin. Maybe he can help us with uh-huh. the answer to that question. Uh, Mr. Medlin, how are you, sir? Oh. I am absolutely struggling right now, guys, because I can only half hear you. So I'm really sorry to everyone listening if I'm not coming across clearly. But uh, the bit I did to... catch of what you all said was you're spot on. Uh, Leclerc saved a set of tyres for the race. That was intentional. I think they just looked at it and went, it will hurt us more if we run and try and get pole, then it will be if we are starting at the sharp end, but we have that strategic option. So that was a strategic choice, which hasn't always gone well for Ferrari, has it? But we'll have to <laughs> make, wait and uh, reserve judgment until the end of tomorrow. He's testing well, his new boss, old boss. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's been a few changes in the strategic department as well over the winter with Ferrari. So it, it could be that it's one of those that they actually look geniuses by the end of tomorrow. The flip side is their race pace has not looked great up to now. Not in testing, not on Friday either. You know, they might have improved it, but I think they really needed to make sure that they had the best kind of set of tires available for the race to give themselves the best possible chance. So uh, that could actually be a bit of damage limitation almost in that sense. But it might put the clerk in a better place in science tomorrow. You sound uh, just great, Chris, just by the way. Uh, I had another tire question, though. Uh, Verstappen, in particular, was was uh, loudly complaining about the C1 tire, the hard tire that Pirelli insists will be a factor in the race tomorrow. But certainly Verstappen didn't seem to like it. He was on his second lap and said he was sliding any everywhere. Um, what's the story with the with the hard tire? Uh, it's too hard, I think, a little bit um, in terms of the okay. teams wanting to use it. Yeah, it just takes takes a little too long to warm up. It, it's not got great levels of grip for this circuit compared to what the other uh, sets offer, the, the medium and the soft. And because uh, teams can kind of work out their allocations, like we've seen the clerk do and save certain sets, uh, I think we're going to see uh, a two-stop at least. And most people starting on the soft because you get such a pace advantage then. And then moving on to, to mediums for the rest of the race if they can. So it will be a kind of an attempt to avoid the hard tire, which it happens sometimes. The flip side is, you know, someone could gamble on that and just try and run long, start in the soft, right. pit early, stick on the hard and just see how long it goes. Sometimes it works, doesn't it? Think of Alex Albon back in Melbourne. It just, it, yeah. it can come to you. Yeah, teams at the back might give it a shot. We should point out these tires, C1, 2 and 3, the white, yellow and red striped tires, 
are from the hard end of the uh, tire line that Pirelli creates because of the abrasive nature of this track. So they brought the hardest tires uh, in their range. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see that play out. Three stoppers are not out of the question. Somebody yeah, just I, commented on the stream, guys. He says he's, uh, TW says he's watching Hamilton on uh, interview on TV and said he looks lost. I huh, thought that was an interesting comment. That would be that is, rare. But... You mean looks lost on track? <laughs> uh, I think just, you know, the fact well, that he's the best he actually behind his teammate. And... His, his comments about the, uh, the new W14, they're... Um, mm. He says it has the same inherent problems as last year. Some things are improved, and George Russell paints a much rosier picture, but Hamilton is not overjoyed by his current weapon. By the way, uh, going back to the surface, yeah, when we say it's abrasive, it means that you're expecting high tire usage and you can yeah. therefore expect two stops is the norm um and it was last well it was surfaced in 2004 when pedro de la rosa got the lap record so there you go there's a good connection um but um so it hasn't actually been touched since it was because it was launched in 2004 so uh 22 years literally um yeah. without, without being uh, resurfaced so not only does the desert uh affect it but it's also a very low grip circuit mm -hmm. Hey, Chris, so have you gotten a chance to see anybody down at the Aston Martin garage? I've got to be uh, sure it's all smiles down there. I'll admit, I'm actually walking that way right now. I've kind of held up slightly because Fred Vasseur was doing an interview, but okay. I think he might be sometime. And uh, Fred's always good to chat to, but if we don't get him today, the beauty of having two shows now, isn't it? We'll just get them tomorrow. Uh, I'll make them all feel guilty if they don't talk to me on a Saturday. So uh, I am heading to Aston because you're right. The thing with Aston is, and I did speak to some team members yesterday where one of them said they were starting to believe after FB2. Um, but this morning spe uh, specifically, I think once they'd slept on it, was they were really worried that everyone was then expecting them to be in the fight for pole position. And if they weren't, that it'd be seen as a failure or a disappointment. And they were going, we were nowhere in qualifying here last year. We finished seventh overall in the championship. We were absolutely not in the picture with anyone near the front. So just getting both cars into Q3 would be great, which I, I admitted was, I agreed with because of Lance Stroll's fitness. Um, for him to yeah. be able to rag the car enough, you know, don't forget, it's not just him being unfit, but he's not driven the car in testing. So all his running happened yesterday yeah. uh, and at far from 100%. So I genuinely do think it's, uh, it's a cracking effort from them to get both cars through. And for Fernando to be just in the frame, just to be talking about it was exciting. So I am yeah. running down there now just to see if anyone's around who wants to hey, hey Chris, back up that view. Can I, can I put you on another mission as well or over the weekend? Um, I'm just looking mm -hmm. at it. Magnussen was fifth here last year uh, overall on the results. Where, what happened this weekend? I mean, it's great for the Hulk, but what happened to Mag? Uh, it's a good, good question. I don't know for sure. Uh, I can see... Uh, Hockenberg right now actually just uh, speaking to some German journalists and he looks very happy, but he's describing what's going on with the car and things like that. Um, I, it, it's going to be a good question I will ask, but I think it's just a sign of how competitive that midfield is. If I'm cheeky here, I might be about to annoy Aston Martin massively or I, I might be too late. I was going to try and get their boss, but he's run off to speak to some team members, I think. Um, yeah, the uh, the the complex or the competitiveness is the word i want i'll get my words right in a minute <laughs> of the midfield just shows you can't slip up in q1 you can't have you know a slightly wide moment or be a bit conservative with track limits because the second you do that you're you're going to drop a mid, like so far down there were six and a half tenths of a second between 
all 10 cards in Q1. So yeah, there's no margin for error. I mean, that, those gaps do mm-hmm. sort of expand as, as everyone's kind of nails it and the, the quickest cards turn everything up to 11 later on. But yeah, when, when Q1 ended, six and a half tenths is what we're talking about for the whole field spread, which I think is remarkable, to be honest. It's, um, it's enormous. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that might be part of it. You, you could just, just don't get it quite right on your Q1 run and you are going to drop out but your car might be capable of getting through the Q3 if you put it all together. And I think that's what we saw from Haas, which great job from Hulkenberg, to be fair, on his first one back. Yeah. Yeah, just looking yeah, at the definitely. times. Looking at the times, Magnuson, uh, Logan Sargent, if you'd have told him going into the weekend he was going to out-qualify Magnuson, I bet he would have been extremely happy with that. Yeah. Oh, I bet he was gutted when he saw the actual time, though, didn't he? I, uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys right. have spoken about it already, but just yeah. the rule that means whoever sets their time first is is ranked first came back to bite logan and cost him a place in q2 um which yeah i mean i was speaking to alex albon's camp yesterday and they've been impressed with logan's raw speed they they think he's um an upgrade on latifi in that sense they think latifi's confidence basically had gone last year so that really hurt him um but yeah they were basically saying look uh this this kid's quick he's got a lot to learn in terms of just the formula one world but he's got the raw pace there so um i think he showed it today yeah, yeah no. today is a, a very special day. We should probably note uh, this is the 21st poll for Max Verstappen. Today is his father, Jasper Verstappen's 51st birthday. And it also would have been the 87th birthday of uh, the late Jim Clark. So a lot of folks with with Formula One backgrounds or knowledge um, realize that uh, the late great Jim Clark would have been 87 today. And congratulations for Max, who has not typically done well at this track. He's never won here in nine previous. Remember last year at this huh. track, he was it? No, was it here or was it Australia where Max dropped out and retired the car? So Red Bull's off. Yeah, this to is a, a big start. Ferrari track. Leclerc's had two poles yeah. and one mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, this is. And we should know too that the times, I mean, the cars in free practice yesterday were two seconds. The fastest time, anyway, two seconds quicker than last year. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That that's a, that's a huge leap. I mean, but we yeah. we kind of expected this, right? We knew that the second year into these new rules, that these cars were going to get a little more sorted right. out. And I think this is right. we're, we're seeing it all come come to fruition. A couple of comments on the stream about uh, Mercedes said they thought they were sandbagging, but you know, and saying what's happened. But, you know, I think this goes back to Chris's point is that all these times are so close that we could, you know, we could see quite different times and 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 finishes tomorrow and, and in the subsequent races, the way things are going right now. As long as they don't wind up in a big pile down in turn one. <laughs> ah, funny you should say that. Sorry, I've just jumped back on the call because I uh, had to mute myself while I caught up with a member of the Haas team. Mr. Pete Crawler, who is the team manager, uh, who will admit this show's new uh, and the teams are also unaware of what they can and can't do. And Pete doesn't know if he's allowed to be an official spokesperson or not on live on air. So we'll, we'll find out in time for tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but he did tell me that exactly as you say, that was uh, the fact that it's just so close at the moment. It's just so tight between the midfield. Kevin didn't quite get it all together, they don't think, on his uh, Q1 runs. And Nico did. And that put Nico through. And obviously, as the track gets quicker, uh, more opportunities to do yeah. open up. So... Uh, he said there's no such thing as a midfield anymore. It's just so tight, which is great. Uh, but it means that their aim tomorrow is survival. Because if you stay out of trouble, you just run a clean race, like anything is possible. It, it, that, you're not going to slip to the back of a field now because everyone's competitive. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be 
It's going to be fun to watch in that sense, because I don't know if anyone remembers, but the first race in Azerbaijan that we ever had, every driver thought if they just survived, they were going to pick up points because it had been crazy in the junior categories and nothing happened because everybody took it easy to just <laughs> survive the race. So the next year, it, went, it, it all blew up. <laughs> so I wonder what happens tomorrow. Do, do they learn yeah. from that? And it means some people do take some risks thinking everyone else will be being a bit cautious. I don't know. It's always fascinating if they second guess themselves. <laughs> Hey, Chris, I got a question. Um, we saw it happen to Stroll in qualifying. Track limits. Um, I get the impression, just to clarify for everybody, that they're going to be hotter than they've ever been on track limits. And deletion, absolutely. Elban got close. Um, but how will that going forward to the race? Uh, I mean, what's what's been the chat? Is it is it going to be a lot stricter? Uh, in terms of the race, it's the same as it always has been in terms of the way they uh, will penalise drivers. But you're right, they're being stripped everywhere. So you, you cannot go all four wheels out, out of the track where they think you might gain an advantage. Otherwise, you're done for. Um, and I believe with Albon, they were looking at that closely, weren't they? But I think they yeah. were just seeing if at, at for a frame or a millisecond at some point, there was still technically some part of the tyre overhanging the, the white line enough to, uh, to stay within bounds, as they say. But uh, it will be three strikes and you get a penalty uh, is how it will work for the race. So... Uh, each time oh. they exceed track limits, uh, as long as it was done, in, I say intentionally, an unforced error, you know, as long as another driver didn't shove you wide, uh, then that will lead to uh, a warning. And after three warnings, you'll get a black and white flag that says no more. Or, like Your third one will trigger a black and white flag that says you're on the verge for a penalty. And if you do it for a fourth mm -hmm. time, that will be it. You'll get an automatic time penalty, which I believe is a five-second time penalty still automatically. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we could get a few of those tomorrow. I would not be surprised. And mm. with, since you mentioned penalties, keep in mind penalty points carry over for a year. So I guess the, the, uh, the guy at the top of the list for black marks is Pierre Gasly, who has 10 penalty points. If he gets two more, he gets a mandatory one-race ban. And uh, he's starting well back in the field. He had a very disappointing qualifying for his new Alpine team. So he might be charging out there and taking risks that could wind him up sitting on the sidelines for the mm -hmm. next round in Saudi. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, coming up after this, guys, we are going to uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a little more about qualifying because I've got a couple of stats here that I've written down that I want to talk about. So stick with us through the break. You're listening to Speed City back after these messages. All right, we're still live on YouTube. What's I the think vibe? Chris wanted to make a point. Chris, were you you about to say something? I was just going to agree completely wholeheartedly with you, Bob, that it that it's Pierre ah. that's got to be the most yeah. careful, and he's actually uh, just chatting to some guests now. It's quite interesting, mm -hmm. actually, as we for those still listening on YouTube that we're doing this show after qualifying. The very different vibe now because it's still the middle of the weekend, so drivers kind of get out their cars they do a bit of a debrief they do a bit of media but then they've got other commitments it's not about everyone rushing off home so they're they're doing other things and yeah watching Pierre calmly chat to some VIPs at the moment he's already long out of his race suit um he's back into kind of marketing mode and you think they'd be wanting to really focus on what happened in qualifying and set up for the race but no this this is such an important business there's so much more to it that yeah that's the the job of an F1 driver right now yeah well, Chris, as a rule on this show, whenever you want to wholeheartedly agree with me about something, I <laughs> just jump right in. Yeah, jump jump right in and over everybody. Here we go. Don't hesitate. Here we go. <laughs> Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City.
All right, welcome back. Hey, I said I had a couple of stats. One of them is uh, we're talking about Alonzo. Alonzo's 41 years old currently, going to be 42 during the summer here. And I think I read the stat where only one uh, driver in history older, and that and that was Mario Andretti. Bob, you and I were talking about this on before the show. Do you remember the exact stat about Mario Andretti and Alonzo? Well, it was about the oldest pole sitter. And uh, at 41, yeah. That's what it was. Uh, uh, Freddie would have been second only to Mario, who was 50. Is that possible? He took <laughs> a pole for, uh, for Ferrari. I don't think he was. I think he was. I think he was 46, I think is what they said. But Oh, okay. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't the old stats of people like Fangio and Ascari um, kind of, because they went on, because Fangio went on till his mid-40s, didn't he? Um, that's a great I question. Know. I don't yeah. have those stats in front of me. But uh, <laughs> no, apparently. I'm, uh, I'm just catching Mario up with, was... with where you guys are at. But I, I, I believe it. Sorry, everyone. This is my uh, terrible signals. I run around. You're talking about Alonzo. He's got a scrum following him right now. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying I'll to bet. follow that scrum. But um, yeah, the, the if he, let's say wins a race because well, he didn't take pole here. But I believe if he wins a race, Alonzo will hold the record for both being the fourth youngest driver to win a race and the seventh oldest in F1 history <laughs> uh, at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, and it would, it would be the largest gap between pole positions if he was to take one and largest gap yeah. between wins, I believe. But um yeah, so as you, you're, you're naming the right names, the likes of Fangio and Ascari have done it. Um, Jack Brabham, I think, was the oldest yeah. um, before yeah. Fernando, 1970. <clears throat> so, yeah, there's earlier days of Formula 1, it went older. But as we were on a break, Tom Christensen walked by me and pointed to Fernando, was like, looks good, doesn't he? And then said, I was just speaking to Gerhard Berger, and both of us were saying it makes us think about making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I was like, yeah, let's have some of that. Let's get everyone back. Oh, actually, question for you guys. Like, ah. Penny for your thoughts, Sebastian Vettel, right now. Oh. If you've just retired from F1 and a lot younger than Fernando, and that's the car that you've walked away from. And that's oh. where it started this year. Don't forget, this is a car that is 95% you. That thing should be getting quicker as they learn more about it. Whereas, you know, Red Bull talked about evolving last year's car to be this good. So there should be more potential in that, Aston. I mean... Oh, if you're Vettel, surely you're thinking, oh, have I gone at the wrong time? Or if you're Johnny Green and you're a cynic, are you going, well, that's what happened at Ferrari to him and that's what happened at Aston Martin to him? Is it yeah. is, are we pointing the finger the other way? <clears throat> mm, potentially, that's what everybody but then we found out Alonso's career. Yeah, yeah no. everybody <laughs> used to say that about Alonso, that he had terrible timing when it came to changing yeah. teams. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I had the same thought. I was thinking two things about this. One, yeah, Vettel's got to be upset because the car is clearly fast, but but he hasn't been able to put it together in the last few years in in some pretty fast cars. And then uh, the other thing, of course, being Alonzo, what you just said, Bob, how he has had that timing of of choosing the wrong team to go to. But I mean, I I hate to Vettel bash, but that's that's kind of the way well, I felt about him. When, uh... When Stroll hurt himself falling off yeah. his bike, or so we're told, the yeah. rumor spread that they uh, they rang up Vettel and, and asked, or he asked them, uh, if, he, if he'd consider coming back to drive the car in uh, Stroll's place. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So it's he, either way, one thing's for sure, Chris, it's been on Vettel's mind <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I wonder if he's doing TV for one of the European networks. 
And, and I don't want to Vettel bash at all because I, that was just a theory to kind of throw in there. I, I do think you're right. I think that the truth is he'll probably going, did I jump too soon? Because he just wanted a good year to hang up his helmet from and he didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's go check with Chris again. He was talking about the vibe out there during the break, how it's such a different vibe on Saturdays, and that's really true. What's happening now, Chris? Yeah, uh, I was actually trying to get in because, yeah, it would be great to talk to Aston Martin, wouldn't it, about the, the step they've yeah. made. I mean, it, it's by far the biggest and most impressive over the winter. Uh, and sadly, uh, they're now into debrief. Uh, Lance Stroll's just heading down there, and he's getting asked to sign autographs, and his wrists are still not in great shape. So he's, he's smiling and well, grimacing through them. Um, and his PR did just kind of say, mm, not right now, he's late for debrief. So I'm afraid we're not going to hear from one of them right now. I have been promised tomorrow, though, we can have a chat with hopefully Mike Crack himself. Because whatever happens in the race, because it, it seemed heading into today that if Aston didn't get on the front row, it, it might look like a disappointment to some. And certainly at times in qualifying the same, but it's, it's such an enormous step forward. I think it's also a really good boost to every other team on the grid that that is possible. OK, they yeah. spend a lot of money, but we're in a budget cap era. So it's not just the money. It's the people and the mix of the people. So, yeah, that's if you're any other team, you go. If they can do it, why can't we? And I think that's a really good thing for Formula One to have right now. That's a great point, Chris. That's got to be exciting, encouraging for everybody. And I thought about that too. I was thinking, you know, you you you're coming into this with new rules and cost caps, and it is possible that you know this whole uh, philosophy of a cost cap it could come to fruition here. And saying we've got a team that was not as competitive as done this, but hey, guys, you know who we haven't talked about? We haven't talked about George Russell. Um, out qualifying his teammate, seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton. So I know it was. Yeah, a I think that's margin. the first time that's happened to uh, Hamilton being out qualified in Bahrain by a teammate. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, my ahead. prediction. Yeah, I think my prediction for the year, and I'll say it now because I like making these bold statements. I actually think George <laughs> Russell will continue to do this. Uh, I really. I, it's not that that. Um, that Hamilton's lost the lost his way. I just think with the car that they've got and however they develop, but I think George Russell showed signs last year that he was getting the better of uh, of Lewis, and I think he will. Uh, on the I reckon on the whole, let's have this conversation with Bob uh, in, in Abu Dhabi on his boat and say what are, what are the qualifyings between Russell and Hamilton um, in and Abu Dhabi, and we'll see where we are. Hmm. What do you guys think about this? As you're saying that, Jonathan, I thought you know if we always talk about the car being built for one driver or the other. Uh, if you have to do that right now, wouldn't you kind of lean towards doing that toward for Russell rather than Hamilton? Because he's the future of the team. I mean, I know that's a stretch, but you hear about that all the time. I, I think that's more like a Ferrari style than a Mercedes style. I don't think they've ever built a car around, you know, uh, one guy. Um, you know, the constructors championship is just as important to Mercedes, but uh, I, I mean, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, we also, also, we haven't talked about uh, Carlos Sainz. We just touched on Leclerc, but Carlos Sainz uh, just uh, tenth and a half behind um, behind Leclerc, and mm -hmm. clearly, clearly fast here. And uh, but but what do you think about the the, the Leclerc um, Sainz battle this year? Well, we hope it'll be close. There's no reason to think it won't. I've talked before about how I think science is a new man after his experiences last year, finally standing up to the team and saying, hey, look, you know, don't don't give me this number two stuff and getting out of the way. If I'm as quick as my teammate, uh, give me a chance to go for the win. 
Um, having said that, Science has had a, an interesting weekend. I think he was the only guy to spin in uh, free practice one. Uh, and apparently this track is bumpier than, uh, than what it looks like. The announcers have been talking about the fact Science hit a bump exactly wrong because he was too wide at his mm. corner turn in. And that's all it takes. Martin Brundle today called it like walking down a snowy walk and having a, a layer of ice under the snow. You don't see it and you have no choice. You cannot react quickly enough. You are down. Or in Sainz's case, he was pirouetting and ruined a set of tires. So it's, uh, you know, it's hard to overstate the challenge that these drivers are facing on this racetrack in the conditions, breezy, hot, you know, whatever you like. Hey, we haven't talked about the other rookies very much here. We just got a few minutes left in the show, but uh, Piastri uh, and DeVries, I mean, not the greatest of starts, but we got, we got two more rookies besides Logan Sargent here. Uh, Piastri, I think, is, uh, Zach Brown said it, Piastri is already um, taking it to Lando, and that's what he wants. Um, and so that's good. It's, it's, it's a side swipe at Ricardo. Um, but, you know, I said, boy, there's going to be some pressure on that kid, but he's already out-qualified Norris. So, you know, got to be impressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Alpha, the Alpha Romeo, Botas and Joe Guan Yu looking good, 12 and 13th. And Yuki Tsunoda, 14th. Well, that's what I can jump in on right now. Uh, yeah. As I apologize for everyone who used to our Sunday show where we get a lot more voices on than this. But uh, I keep seeing the bumping of people who say they're not allowed to speak anymore. But one that everyone would have heard a lot of last year was Andreas Seidel, who has left McLaren, gone to Alfa right. Romeo as the CEO now of the Sauber Group. And uh, I had a little chat with him just now where he's, he's happy with where they're at. He says, you know, the size of the team, the budget they've got, the way they're investing their money at the moment and kind of just having to rebuild ready for the Audi's arrival. So then they're not fully focused on throwing everything on this year's car as such. Uh, he was very happy to be where they're at. They're right in that mix. They're, they're quick. You know, they're fighting with the likes of McLaren who he left. Uh, but I did, I did tease him a bit. I said, what do you think of McLaren's claim that, you know, they didn't hit their targets with this car, but they're going to make a big step. And he's like, I've got no idea. They cut me out really early as soon as they knew I was leaving. <laughs> so he's not, not too sure whether we can really, buy into that from McLaren um, but if we can then actually the kind of pace they showed and, and the job Norris did um, I, I know you said uh, Oscar did well there Johnny and I agree with you um, but if I'm remembering rightly Oscar put it into Q2 uh, sorry Lando put it into Q2 and yeah. was 11th or 12th on the grid so yeah, yeah. sorry Lando uh, was 11th was the Astro was 18th yeah yeah but the but, point I mean, made. they were much closer in Q1 much closer in Q1 yeah. but uh, yeah Lando's Lando's pace there shows okay they're just then they're not far off Q3 with a car that they're not happy with. And again, last year here, after a bad preseason, they were nowhere like Aston Martin. So right. uh, we right. can't read everything into, into today's pace that's been shown. No, but you made a good point about, about budget and Seidel talking about how he thinks we're right on budget. Remember, the, the spending cap comes down again this year to $135 million. And um, Zach Brown said that McLaren, in order to reorganize the team to meet those new budget caps, dug too deeply into their aerodynamic department. He thinks that's why the car suffers. Interesting. Yeah. So, well, guys, we just got about a minute left in the show. I just want to make sure everybody knows we're going to have our regular pre and post race shows tomorrow on ESPN Extra 81. And uh, we also stream it live on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, yeah, there's the graphic if you guys are watching. And of course, we'll have the BBC with the play-by-play -play of all of the race in between our pre- and post-race shows tomorrow. 
And uh, we're going to be missing Jenny Gow. Yes. Get well uh, soon. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I heard her do a little promo for the uh, Checkered Flag podcast, and she sounded really good. I mean, it, she was complaining she didn't sound good, but she sounded pretty good. So hopefully she'll be <laughs> she'll be back in back in uh, behind the microphone pretty soon. But uh, but yeah, I got a Twitter uh, headline for you for tonight. Yep. Join us tomorrow as Medlin talks crack live from Bahrain. <laughs> hey, I, w- I will promise to get more people, well, actual people, on the show tomorrow, both pre and post race, because the grid walk's a lot of fun uh, and everyone knows we're coming. So a few people yeah. now have promised me that uh, we can get, get hold of them tomorrow. Uh, so we'll, I'll make sure that's not a theme through the year, though, that we, uh, we hear from people on a Saturday as well, because it's, uh, it's set up nicely. It's been a fun day and it's, it's, uh, I think, better better picture than we were expecting, wasn't it, heading into this? Yeah. All right. And guys. one more guy, one more guy we didn't talk about, and that's Esteban Ocon, who put the car into ninth place. We, we got, went all we the way go. to three. Gasly's at the back. All right. Talk to everybody. Talk to you tomorrow morning.